Hey everybody, what's up? My name's Dean, and I'm not alone. I'm Dakota. Hi. So quiet today. This new year taking it out of you already. And um, I want to welcome you, and we want to welcome you to um, this new podcast that we're doing, which is called What's What's Crack? Crack? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think we were going to do it at the same time. I think it's serendipitous that we did. Yeah, so what's crack? Um, what is crack? What's what's the what's the juicy goss? What's yeah, literally the Cumbrian version of saying like, "What's on your mind? What are we talking about?" What's the yeah. tea? What's the tea, sis? With drag race being such a cultural phenomenon right now, what became before tea was crack, and that's not C R A C K, that's C R A I C. And um, that's why normal English people don't take us seriously. (laughs) Um, So, the funny thing that I've got to say about crack is, um, I love that our parents and stuff instill us with these Cumbrian dialects and they're very um, patriotic when it comes to Cumbrian that they'll say it outside of Cumbrian boundaries. So, um, I have a story about the word crack. Um, When I was studying in... Uh, um, when I was studying at university in Wales, um, my parents came down for a little visit, a little catch-up, just to check that I wasn't doing crack. Um, <laughs> so they came down, and I invited a friend along for the day, and I was like, oh, yeah, come on, you can come meet my parents, and um, which is a very daunting thing for me, because my mother is very, like, she's the social butterfly as she is. Tap of the table. Um, as the social butterfly she is, um, she, <laughs> she, <laughs> anyway, so I brought my mother down and I brought my friend to come and meet her. And um, we were outside of a Weatherspoons as a working class family. We can't afford to go anywhere else in the big city. Um, and um, we're all sat outside. It's like height of the summertime, beautiful time. And um, I go inside to go to the toilet. And when I come back out, my friend's face is... I thought she turned into Casper. I was like, she's white. She's, like, Caucasian as you can get before you turn albino. And so... (laughs) So I look at her and I'm like, what's wrong? And she just looks at me in, like, this really, like, shuddery position. like, And I was just like, Laura, what's wrong? And she was like, Dean, your mum's just asked me if I've got any crack. And I was just like, <laughs> and I start laughing, as I naturally would do as a resident Cumbrian. And she starts yelling at me, saying I've got no compassion, that my mum's a drug addict, and, like, I, she, I, she needs help. And I was just like... <laughs> No, 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 that's not what that is. She's just asking you if you've got any gossip, Laura, have you got any? And then she went on a massive tangent of that it was stupid that we call gossip crack and all this. And I was just like, it leads to really great moments like that, though. (laughs) We all just feel like we're having a joke. But I think because we're so used to that being part of our dialect, we don't know any different. And so we just assume everyone knows what we're on about. But no. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so then we're genuinely confused when people are confused. Yeah, but we're just kind of looking at them like, oh, 
no, that's what, that's how we speak. <laughs> it's like, I don't go down to Wales and I don't take the piss out of... Well, I take the piss out of the Welsh language for comedy reasons. I don't take the piss out of it sincerely and think that it should be abolished, because it shouldn't. And um, But I feel like there's been a resurgence in Cumbrian dialect in some places. Like, I'm seeing the word crack being used a lot more by Cumbrians, and it's even been written in Facebook statuses and Twitter tweet posts. Tweets? Tweets! that I've seen a lot lately, and I'm like, I like this. I like this resurgence of the Cumbrian language. Next, I'm going to start seeing Yan, Tan, Tedra, don't know the rest of them. No, um, me either. <laughs> I feel uncumbrian now. Yeah, Yan, Tan, Tedra. Um, but one thing I loved about coming home from Wales was I feel like I never had, like, a Cumbrian accent. I felt like I had a northern accent, because the first two weeks in university everyone was staring at me really funny and I thought I had something on my face and I was just like, well, what, what, what was that? And then everyone was like, no, we couldn't understand you. <laughs> and I was just like, mm-hmm, fair. Because I was the only Northern person in a Welsh university and it was very daunting at the time. Um, but whenever I come home and I'm with one one friend in particular, I go super Cumbrian. Like, I don't know why. She just, I don't know whether I imitate her or whatever, it's like, Asgard, yam, I don't care, yeah, get out, get out the way. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why I mimic this. But she makes me super Cumbrian, and I kind of like it. Yeah, Asgard, yam, mother. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you there. I honestly didn't actually think that our accent was so different until I heard, like, people in the news, like, being interviewed I was like oh wow we really sound like that <laughs> and and like compared to other northerners I'm like yeah there's definitely a definitive difference uh yeah and also I've got to say very embarrassing story my first year of university I used the word garn that's g-a-r-n as in I'm going I used garn in an essay oh no to the point where <laughs> I remember to this day, it was um, it was highlighted and there was just a single question mark to the <laughs> highlight. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. And I, was, I didn't want to step foot in that class again, but I did. I grew stronger and now I always say going. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so that's what's crack. Um, so what is this podcast going to be about? What, what do you want it to be about? I... I... I want to go forward thinking that this podcast could maybe provide advice for people or just even if it just becomes someone's background noise so they don't feel alone with all the scary silent noises at home. Maybe they'll find some peace in our um, northern voices. (laughs) Um, But I guess like from the title What's Crack, it doesn't really say a lot about a specific subject of what we would talk about. So I guess it's kind of open to anything. You know, what's, what's you know, relevant at the time, what we feel like we, we can spread some messages about, just kind of. Totally. I, th- I, I love the idea of um, being on in the background of some kind of, some northerners university flat in, like, the south end of the country. Like, some northern kid in London just wanting to listen and just feel... Like they're at home. I'd love that. But yeah, I think we totally agree. I think with what's crack, when we say it round here, it's just like, what's 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 the 411, what's the tea right now? It's just general. And I think, yeah, I think this could span from talking about 
current affairs to talk about a certain topic and I can't wait to be here every time doing it with you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, we've set this up as kind of... I'm not going to say that there wasn't selfish reasons behind it. Like, I definitely wanted to do one. I... I don't, I don't want to sound egotistical and American Psycho and be like, I love the sound of my own voice, because I don't. But I feel like this is a confidence gainer for me. I feel like this could be my therapy. This could be... I would love for to do this, get an audience, get an audience's feedback, and even if it's just one person saying, oh my God, yeah, I totally relate. I'm going to die happy. I, I don't mind. As long as there's one person out there that I reach... And he's like, I really enjoyed this podcast. You really made me feel comfortable. I'd be like, I helped one person in this world as it is. The world's basically on fire. And if I help one person come to happiness, I'm fine. I I can check out happy. (laughs) I've tried different, um, I guess, like, ways of getting my voice out there through, like, YouTube, blogging um angrily writing statuses on facebook on public (laughs) and i just think i don't i don't want to be there visually i don't want people to see me (laughs) but i still want to get a message out there and i still want to i don't know provide some form of entertainment for people so i think maybe this is probably the best way or at least it's the one way that i haven't tried yet so (laughs) we'll see how it goes I totally agree. I think that there's always been a, um, there's always been kind of a coping mechanism that I've always wanted to go down. And I've done the Facebook statuses and stuff, and it always seems like that I'm screaming into the void. But I feel like that's always been a singular experience. And I get to do this with you, so I'm not only screaming into the void, I'm screaming into the void with company. <laughs> and that makes me feel heard already. I, And that's perfect to me. <laughs> don't make me cry beautiful time um so should we just dive into this week's topic just this right week's topic. perfect a new year new year new decade new me not really <laughs> uh, so new year um have you got any new year's resolutions um i have a few um i i always say that i'm not going to do new year's resolutions and then it kind of gets like a few days few weeks into the year and I'm like I should probably start doing something about that and that and that and then then I inadvertently pile up a list of things that I could work on um so I guess this year um I'm really gonna try and focus on my health and I know that sounds like such a cliche thing to say because everyone's focusing on their health (laughs) but um after getting my diagnosis at the end of last year about um having celiac disease, it's made me think, oh, I should probably get my crap together now because <laughs> it's literally killing me. Um, so through that, I'm like, you know, I'm making sure I'm taking my meds, I'm, I'm doing gluten-free eating, and um, my New Year's resolution primarily is to do yoga. Now, I haven't said exactly how much of that I want to do, and so far I've done it every day this week. So that's, I guess, seven sessions, eight sessions. Which I could probably say, yeah, I've now officially uh, wrote that resolution off as doing yoga because there was no particular. Um, so I think it's once we put time limits on stuff. Like once it's like once you say, "I'm going to do this 
every single deer. Yeah. Like these deer. Those constraints really yeah. damage you and make you not want to achieve them because it just seems overwhelming. 100%. So I think that when you went to this, like, I'm going like, to do yoga. Do yoga. Just full stop. <laughs> I'm going to do yoga. Yeah. And, and now I've completed because it. Because you haven't had that pressure. <laughs> yeah. You've ended up doing it every deer. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I've really been enjoying it. I feel like it's made me a lot calmer. I've, it, I think just getting up and doing it as soon as I get up in the morning is helped me create a really good, healthy routine. And now I'm like going to work in a happier mood. I'm like, my body is more relaxed because I'm not like, I'm not like strained or like my muscles aren't hurting. Um, so that's helped. Um, what was my other one? Um, just wanting to like, kind of focus on like sorting out my anxiety and I know that sounds like such a um broad spectrum of things but um I think it's something mental health is really big especially at the moment everyone's going on about it but I think we don't really think about how we can do something about it we're just kind of like this is how the how I am and that's how I'm always going to be but I think progressively each year it has got better and I've kind of inadvertently been sort of sorting myself out um but now I feel like this year it's like I should probably start looking into like ways I can really do some massive changes I don't know what that is yet and you know we're only in the first week so I've got plenty of weeks to find out so that's on the list um throw my pies I love throwing (laughs) pies I love hosting parties and having our little family round it's great um so yeah, there's like a couple of things that probably won't be so public because I don't want to put that pressure on myself. But um, I guess that's just kind of the thing. Just, you know, make some really loose resolutions and it might be easier to follow them. Couldn't couldn't agree anymore. I literally couldn't. I feel like, like we've said, once you put the pressure on that New Year's resolution, I think you could probably work out an exact percentage of how less likely you're going to achieve it. Yeah. However... Um, I I haven't really put that much pressure on my New Year's resolutions either. Um, I'm thinking work smarter, not harder. Definitely. Definitely. I feel like I always make that resolution every single year because I feel like once 365 days we've went round the sun again, I somehow forget it along the way until it comes round to New Year again. And I'm like, no, remember, work harder, not smart. No, work smarter, <laughs> not harder. Because... Um, I remember, I feel like it was, um, oh, Bill Gates said something about you shouldn't, (laughs) you shouldn't always hire someone smart. Sometimes the best avenue is to hire someone lazy because that person will figure out how to do the task in half the time. That's a really good way to think about it. Like, and I was like, obviously you're like, I don't want a lazy person or stuff, but if that lazy person's wanting a paycheck... He'd be like, and he doesn't want to do the job. He's obviously going to find the way to do the job in half the time. Yeah. It's just inevitable. I've done some tasks as well. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> if there's a task that I don't want to do, I can find a quick way to do that. Um, what are the New Year's resolutions have I got? Um, exercise like any other time. Keep myself... Because when I do genuinely exercise, and the science behind exercise being that it releases endorphins, serotonin, etc., it does exist. It definitely does. Like, once I exercise, I do feel so much better. Um, It's just getting 
Over that hump. Yeah, it's just getting to the place to exercise. Because I can't exercise anywhere. I love it when people are like, you can exercise anywhere. Just go into the house, just get two plastic bags out, put loads of tins and cans <laughs> in and you've got to wait. And I'm like, no. Because I never my... thought about that. That's a good idea. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. This is our first impasse. I, uh, my house is not a gym. I, I'm in my house for recreation only. Yoga is a different thing. Yeah. Yoga is totally promoting serenity, um, mindfulness, getting into the zone. And doing that in your home only increases the further relaxation that you have in your home. However... I don't want to look like Sylvester Sloan in a Rocky movie in my house. <laughs> yeah. If I'm in the same place where a fridge is, it's more likely that I'm going to have Eye of the Tiger on in the background eating a Titan bar. <laughs> um, so it's it's really dependent on the form of exercise that you want to do, the impacts where you want to do it. Yeah. I love swimming. I, I and really... you can't really do that in the bathtub. <laughs> No, being six foot nine, I find it hard to fit in the bathtub. <laughs> so I can't do it in the bathtub, no. Um, but yeah, I love swimming, so it's getting there, um, which um, wants to segue into maybe the next point. Um, how would you advise someone to carry on with the resolutions? Like when the going gets tough, how do you get the tough? Get like, going? how do I stay motivated? Yeah, how do you, yeah, how do you stay motivated? Um, for me, it's words, making sure I don't have any room for excuses. So my excuses with yoga was, oh, I don't have a yoga mat. I don't know what the yoga positions are. I don't know how long I'm supposed to hold each position for. Um, can and we like, tell the story about, can we please tell the story <laughs> about how you thought you weren't going to get a yoga mat? All right, okay. <laughs> Um, so I've been absolutely nagging at my partner to get me a yoga mat for Christmas. I was like, it's the only thing I want. You've been asking me what I want. It's a yoga mat. And I honestly was just too stressed out to find my own yoga mat. So I was like, please do the hard work for me. Um, and I think it was like the day before Christmas and I was nagging at my partner because he was complaining about his back hurting, doing exercises on our wooden floors. And I says, oh, well, if, you know, you got me a yoga mat for Christmas and you could use it and, you know, and then he, <laughs> he straps off in a hoof, comes back, throws me this massive parcel that's obviously a yoga mat. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> is that a yoga mat? It's like, I don't know, why don't you open it? And I was like, it's a yoga mat. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I felt so guilty, but now we have a yoga mat and we both use it, so it's great. <laughs> so, um... So, yeah, I just love that story. So, there's no room for excuses. How yeah. do you make sure there's no room for excuses? Um, so, making sure I have everything I need to do said thing. So, now I have a yoga mat. <laughs> um, I also bought, like, a pack of cards off the internet with, like, different um, yoga positions on each card. And, like, sometimes I'll, like, shuffle them up and I'll just, like, pick random ones or, like, work my way through the, the card pack because they go in, like... Um, each card gets harder and harder as you go through the pack. Um, so now that I have those in place, I have no excuses. So I, I definitely have to do yoga now. <laughs> um, and I've made myself get up um, 15 minutes earlier than I would normally, just so I have time to do yoga. And I say to myself, well, if I just sit around for 15 minutes, I'm going to feel worse. So, And that's wasted time that I could have been in bed if I don't do yoga. So that's kind of the way that I make sure I do what, 
I set out to do. Not having those excuses. But I also think having people around you who are keeping you in check, like saying like, oh, you know, you haven't done that yoga in two days. Like it, it makes sure that you are like keeping on track. Just, I think it's a bunch of things that really add to it, but mostly it has to be from your own motivation. Mm. How, do, how do you feel um, helps you stay motivated? Oh, well, I always have to convince myself in certain aspects of to do things. So if I'm having a really crappy day, which I have the past two days, um, and all I want to do is lie on the sofa, watch something I've recorded, or watch something that I've already watched because I know what's going to happen. I just want to... I'm trying to burn time in the day because I don't want to do anything. I just want it to be nighttime, so I have an excuse to go to sleep. Um, But... I need to convince myself and I need to get to that crux of my mind where it's kind of the reward system and the, you know, you know what the right answer is. But it's going through that clouded mind where it's just when you're up in all of your feelings and everything. It's getting to that kind of savant in your mind (laughs) where it's like, "Mm, it's time, you should get up. And um, so it's partly getting to that place where it's like, all you have to do is go upstairs, put some shorts on, get your swimming bag, go in the car, drive to the swim bus. Like, you just, oh, that's all you have to do. And so, and then I also have to um, tell myself before backing out of that, I'm like, and even if you get to the swim bus, even if you just get to the reception, scan your card and just leave. <laughs> And it says on the swimming baths records that you've been, you've been there. But is like, that not kind of, um, I don't know, like, you're kind of letting yourself off the hook there because you're like, oh, well, it's a, like a mini celebration for something I half did. Oh, no, Dakota, if I'm at the swimming <laughs> bath and I've scanned my car and I look to my left and I see the swimming pool, I'm automatically then in the mindset of like, it's going to be a waste of time if you don't yeah. go there now. Like. That's swinging the scales into your favour. You okay. add more weight onto one side of being like, well, I'm here now. It only makes sense. And it's like, it becomes inevitable and it just becomes the only option. But it's telling myself in that clouded mindset, it's like, I'll give you all the points. I'll give you everything. You can turn around. And like, I'm bargaining with this clouded notion <laughs> of myself. It's as if I'm two people. I'm like, you can have them all. Have all the points, have all the gratis. You can come back and get a takeaway if you really want. Don't have to do any exercise for it. And I'll get there. I'll do the swimming. I'll be in such a great mindset after I come out, after I've swam for an hour. I'm like, I'm so glad that I've done that. And then once I'm in that kind of mindset, I don't really crave bad food. I don't really crave a takeaway sense. So that goes out of my knowledge as well. Is that because you feel like it would be wasted because you've done the exercise? Oh yeah. That, that's totally what it is. Because um, most people would want to reward themselves for those mini victories. And then it's kind of a setback in that sense, because you should be doing that thing that you set out to do anyway, because it's what you wanted to do. So why celebrate with something that kind of takes away the good thing that you did? Yeah. I think that you should celebrate if it's, a massive ordeal to get yeah. in there. Like if if you if I'm at the pinnacle of my anxiety, that leaving the house is what I can talk myself into life threatening. Like, and I get there and I really don't want to go into the pool. 
I can be like, go to the vending machine, get yourself a twirl, get back in the car and go home. Like, Because I, I, I can say that there's some people out there that may relate to it, that it is an ordeal yeah. some points when you're in that mindset that, yeah, damn right, get yourself a little reward for even getting out of the house. Because yeah. that's the only daylight I saw. I feel, I feel like that's a common feeling for most people, especially with like the gym. It took me years to actually finally set, up to go to the gym and I don't go anymore and it's not on my new year's resolution but for a while it just took me a lot just to make that membership and to turn up but then you know after turning up a few times I was like oh the anxiety is gone because it's now a routine and there's nothing to be scared of anymore because the new feeling is gone yeah um and now it's it's kind of all uphill from here now um but I think just for me, I felt like I slipped quite a bit because I just, because I got into a routine, I'd be like, oh, you know, well, I came yesterday and the day before, um, I guess I could just like slack off today and do like half a session. And then I would go home and I'd be like, why did I do that? There was, I mean, I guess half is better than nothing, but it just feels like wasted time because I didn't really go out to set out what I wanted to do. Yeah. I so, hate wasted time. Yeah. I really, I feel like wasted time is one of the biggest failures that I can put in my perspective. Like, if I waste 20 minutes, if I waste 40 minutes, if I waste a day, I, like, because that's what only makes my anxiety worse. And I know, there's, there's a person in the back of my mind who knows yeah. exactly how I'm going to feel. Like, if I've wasted 24 hours on the sofa, and if I wake up the next day not feeling too bad, just the thought of thinking about what I did the day before can put me back yeah. in that mindset, because I'm like... You were nothing but a slug that day, basically. <laughs> you had no impact whatsoever. And so, yeah, wasted time is a huge thing for me. And I'm that should be one of my New Year's resolutions. I should think about time not being as big of a deal as it is. Because, well, being 23, I'd like to think I've got tons of it. But like I said, I, I've said before, like I turned my head so fast in my kitchen in November 2019. <laughs> It still hurts now. Yeah. And I I don't know if I have much left, but I'm really <laughs> going to try and focus yeah. on not making it a big deal. I, I kind of want to agree with you, but at the same time, I think time is fleeting and we, we don't know how long we have. Um, I, I look back on how much time I spent last year being like, oh, I'm not going to do this thing because I'm in pain. Because I was constantly in pain, like with my stomach, because I wasn't eating foods that were safe for me to eat. I was constantly like, oh, I have a bad belly. I don't want to do this. Or, you know, I've, I've got sore shoulders because I slept funny last night. And it was constantly me looking for excuses to waste time. Like, not spend that time doing things that I could be doing that I would have appreciated more. But now, now that I've got rid of those excuses because I'm not ill as much anymore... I'm like, oh, Christ, I have a lot of time on my hands that I used to waste just being in bed because I was ill all the time. So I think going forward now, I'm like, oh, I really just want to keep being busy because I now have not the time back, but the time, the useful time, because I'm not using time of being ill, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I feel like I appreciate it more now because I'm healthy, healthier. <laughs> An appreciation for time is something that is definitely needed. Um, so if you were to round it up in like 
one small phrase, um, what's your main piece of advice on getting on to your New Year's resolutions? Oh, I know why you've asked me this, because I say it to you all the time. Yes. Um, raise your standards, lower your expectations. Yes. I wasn't really going here. I was going to make this into comedy. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm going to take a leave from last decade, and I'm just going to say, think about Shia LaBeouf in Vine, and just do it. Just yeah. do it. Yeah, Just too. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it and you'll feel better for it because it's inevitable. It's inevitable that if you go out to do something that you want to do that has been a target and you hit it, you're going to feel better about yourself. Yeah. But obviously, we've all had those days. Everybody has those days. Definitely. And I think, feel- yeah, you shouldn't put too much pressure on yourself that it makes makes it detrimental. Like, there is a you know, equal line between, um, you know, working too hard and straining yourself and relaxing too much and being lazy. I think, you know, we should give ourselves time to relax and to take a step back and, you know, even if it means just slobbing around one day, but, like, just make sure that it's not all the time and you, you feel like you are making good use of your time. I think that's just finding the right balance. It's, it's always going to be the answer. <laughs> and it's what is that phrase that you just said? Because I'm going to make you elaborate on it again. Um, raise your standards, lower your expectations. I think it's a brilliant phrase. It's I not my it's, phrase. I, no, I'm not, I'm not I copywriting it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to copyright it, but I heard this phrase through you. Okay. You, you obviously know the origin of it, but I just want you to explain what that means because... That was a kind of glass shatter balloon pop move. Oh, really? Yeah, because I heard the phrase and it's kind of, when you hear something that's so simple, in its simplest form, like, because I spend so much time, like, when you go to university, like, you make simple things complicated and, like, you add words in. But sometimes, now I search in life now is for the simplest form of things which have the highest impact. And I feel like that's one of those phrases where I'm like, that could not get simpler. You're going to get it tattooed on your chest. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Should that be my first tattoo? Possibly. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I, yeah, I think that um, it's just brilliant, and I think that you should elaborate on it. Okay, so this, the first time I heard this um, was watching, it was either watching the Minimalist documentary or listening to the podcast, which was and is the first and only podcast I've ever listened to. Um this is going to be the second. <laughs> I don't know if I want to listen to this. Oh, no, I'm not listening to this podcast. I hate my own voice. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like you said, like, you just hear it in, your, in its simplicity and you're like, wow, that actually really says everything it needs to say in those small words. Like, um, to elaborate on it, I guess, you know, if you raise your standards and lower your expectations, if your expectations are already low, like, you've really got nowhere lowered to go like you've already set the bar low so it can only go up from there um i don't think you should ever lower your standards because it's it's never really going to get you to the place that you want to be um and so i think in reversal if we lowered our standards and raised our expectations we're always going to be disappointed we're never going to find the right balance and it's never really going to bring us to where we want to be but with having higher standards and lower expectations, you find that nice sweet spot in the middle um, where you're actually surprised because it's been better than what you expected and it's to the standard that you expected. 
So like with this podcast, I came into it thinking, well, if I just set my, you know, expectations low, but we've got high standards, you know, we've got great sound equipment, we've um, really kind of planned this and made notes and um, did everything we could to make it to the best standard we could, um, then there's nothing, we can't be disappointed. Um, and I guess that's kind of like what helps me get through things because I'm like, well, if I'm just expecting the worst, it's only going to be better than that or equal to that, but usually better. I, I, I just, I just, <laughs> I think that if that has to be, that has to be one of the things that I take through the rest of my life, if not how I guide my 2020 I'm a week in, I've been kind of, that's always been at the back of my head and I haven't been super disappointed yet to the point where I'm like, the world's over, might as well just check out now. I've just not had those kind of mindsets. And it really reminds me of um, a post that I saw on social media years ago. Um, the optimism in a pessimist is um, if you keep on thinking that the worst's going to happen, yeah. if you always psych yourself up for the worst case scenario, anything that... Ha- I'm not telling anybody to live by this, <laughs> but I did live by it a while, and there is a slight difference between these two phrases, which I think is why I love that phrase so much, um, is um, if you always expect the worst case scenario and you always get ready for it, um, if it doesn't happen that's already a positive and anything on top of it is just like gravy. It's just yeah. extra toppings. It's like you've already got chips, but anything else that happens is your cheese, your gravy, your tomato sauce, like it's all of it. And so I lived that for a while. Um, but I always found myself being super negative going into things because I was always expected the worst. Whereas if I tell myself to have high standards... I'm not thinking about the worst case of it all. I'm thinking, I want it to be the best. I want it to be up here. That's what I want. But whether or not that happens, I can't be the judge of it. So, yeah, I'll think that, I'll say that it's going to flop. Let's say that I'm going to flop. But I'm going to aim for up here. And I think that's the the slight difference. It's where your aim's at. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's why I seem to have liked it so much. It really helped me develop as a person. And going into the next point that we put down, um, what have we achieved in the past decade? I think that that was one of the things, that was probably the cherry on top of like the new um, kind of mindset that I adopted from the past decade between 2010 and 2019. Definitely. I think, I think my mindset definitely developed and that was kind of like peace to resistance where it's like, right, okay, you're going to go into 2020 with this mindset. And you're definitely going to develop. You're going to develop a lot more than you did in 2010s. Yeah, and I think I think the important thing to note there is we are only 22, 23. Um, Ten years ago, we we were just going into our teens. Oh, babies! Um, Babies. And in that ten year gap, there is so much growing. Like, you know, you go to secondary school, you finish secondary school, you get your first job. You might go to college, you might go to university. Like, there's so much going on that all you're doing is growing, and not just physically, but mentally, emotionally. Um, That 10 years, a lot can happen. I can't imagine the next 10 years having so much growth. Yeah, totally. And I think with the growth which you go through with school, university, sometimes it's growth that you're embracing, but then sometimes you're just being pulled through the grass, and it's kind of like you don't know how to feel, and it's kind of... No, when that's when 
you start freaking out in puberty, whether you freak out because you're angry or... Oh, I cried Emotions are mental. <laughs> I cried a lot. And I think now that I can think, like, because of the development that we were going through as characters and just every single day just seemed daunting. Like, I cried a lot. Hardly cried out, but I cried a lot when it was that, that age. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so what else have I achieved in the past decade? I think... That I've really came to terms with the um, phrase of don't take life too seriously. Yeah. And. Um, here for a fun time, not a long time. Yes, here for a good time, not a long time. Don't take life too seriously. Um, high standards, low expectations. And I um, definitely feel like I found my tribe. That's brilliant. Which I feel like that's something that if you haven't, if you need, if you feel like you're uncomfortable, that's probably one of the biggest advices that I give to someone this coming decade. Um, you'll find it. Everyone finds the tribe. Yeah, you you always find it. It's um, maybe be a little bit more proactive on it, but honestly, I kind of fell into what seems to be this one. But yeah, definitely found my tribe at the end of it. And only find that helps all the rest of the mindsets come together and like, yeah, it makes sense. When you're not alone, it's easier to. Yeah. Yeah. It it all just seems to make sense when you're not by yourself in the room thinking about it or when you've got people who are telling you, no, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like even, even if they don't and they're like, no, that seems right. You're like, yeah, totally. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's the lesson that I learned in the past decade. All rounded up in a nice little bow. I think, wow. Because a decade is a really long time and I feel like I've learned so much. But specifically in the last five years, I feel like I've gone through so many phases um, and grown so much, changed as a person. I look back on who I was, you know, two, three years ago and it's not the same person at all. Like I'd like to think I have reinvited myself for the better and my mindset has completely shifted. I was... The biggest pessimistic going about, like everything was just so angry and so miserable. And now, knowing the state I'm in now, like all I can think is, you know, positive, you know, happy thoughts and stuff. And I think, God, I can barely even remember what it was like to be such a pessimist because I'm just so like happy and joyful all the time. And it's crazy because if I was to go back and tell myself that three years ago, I wouldn't have believed me. I would have been like, no, that's that's not even achievable. So I think, not to get all deep and dark, but I think that's that's a a thing that I would want to, a message I would have wanted to share with people for those who are feeling like, oh, it's another year. Like, I can't, I can't do anything in a year. Like, a lot can happen in a year. A lot can happen. And a lot of it may be good. A lot of it may be bad. But you just got to keep on going through it and... You know, and then you'll look back and you're like, oh, Christ, what a year. <laughs> or maybe you'll be like, wow, what a year. <laughs> wow, what a year. Like, or oh, we'll say, yeah. like, I, I think last year was incredible. I think that was the best year for me. Oh, I think, like you said, like, we really cultivated the tribe, which sounds very culty. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Like, it is a, it's a real family. And I always craved for a sense of family and mm-hmm strong friendships like people who I thought that really shared my my values and I am 100% positive found that I feel like I don't I don't want a day to go by that I don't I don't think about 
what we have as a little community. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I um, I think that um, it's always the one day at a time. It's take everything as comes along. Not everything's going to be perfect. Like my the last year that I had wasn't I don't think it was a positive one at all like in a certain sector of my life in a certain sphere the um, like work sphere um however in the personal sphere it really was because I realized where my breaking points were I realized so much more about it was taken because I feel like when you get swept up in a year you can't do reflections as you go along you seem to be forced to do the reflection on the 31st of December. Yeah. And then even then, you get rushed up and go into the next year. It's kind of, you need to take that time to reflect and think, what have I actually achieved? What person am I now? And yeah, when I do think on that, I had a lot of personal growth in the last year. The last 365 days, I think there was a, like... A big shift. A huge amount of personal growth where I've found where my break like I've said, where my breaking points were, um, how far I can be pushed, where I want to be, where I'm switched off from, where I really don't collide. Um, and I feel like everybody, need, if I need to tell someone this year what to do, it's try and reflect a little bit more. Yeah. Because through the negatives, there are always positives. Um, and you need to find those because it fit, history will just repeat itself until you pick up the lesson. So, yeah. like, I'm pretty sure that people will relate if it's, like, the first time that you get fired from a job, like, or you get let go. It's a negative experience and you can't stop thinking about it for, like, the first week or the first month even, like, thinking that you're not good enough. But what you have to think of is... In your six months or 12 months in that job, what does it say about you as a person when you were going in, what you were doing, how you impacted and stuff like this? It's always reflecting at the end of it. And we can always forget to do it, but I think that I always have done it because I did a history degree and I feel like, <laughs> and I live by that phrase, if you don't learn your lesson, it's going to happen again until yeah. you learn it. Like. I think you really have to hit rock bottom sometimes to really understand the true meaning of things and to really, like, get your stuff together. But, like, hit rock bottom, it means, like, go Absolutely off, get spot right in off, the face. Yeah, right <laughs> on, face first, just... Part, like, you've hit rock bottom so much, you've created a new rock bottom because you hit it such a force, you, <laughs> yeah. like, made an indent into the ground. You made more rock bottom. Yeah. Like, that's sometimes what it comes to. But that's the perfect place where to reflect because it's you've got nothing else to lose. Yeah. And it's and it, it'll help. Um so well, I, that was really profound. I think that that's really helped me a little bit. It's really helped me even reflect a little bit on what have I actually learned? Yeah. Um, so maybe let's um Bring it back a little bit to uh, the little fun, fun little conversation. Um, I want to talk about favourite movies, TV shows, music, books. What have you seen, heard, read in the last decade, which you feel like that either epitomises the 2010s or that stays in that decade. And okay. Like, so, so things that you don't like? Either. Okay. I, 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 there's no boundaries here. 
Um, favorite movies. I became really obsessed with the movie Girl Interrupted. Don't know why. I just, I think because it was Wiona Ryder and I've got a thing for her. But I remember watching that film and I was like, wow, this, this is like really something you can take a message from. And I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't watched it. I just want to say, go watch it. I keep seeing it on Netflix. It comes up. In my it's so good, and but, I don't even think it's that long either. It's a picture of girl interrupted, but it's Whoopi Goldberg smirking to yeah, the side. Like, yeah, she's she's the nurse at the um, lunatic asylum. So it's Whoopi Goldberg, Winona Ryder, and Angelina Jolie. Right, Angelina Jolie yeah. won the Oscar for this. Didn't yeah, she? she was the main character. Right. Well, no, kind of. She was kind support. Of. She was up in the top three. <laughs> <laughs> she got top billing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, movie for my liking. Um, one movie that made me cry absolute blubbery tears was Still Alice, which was which was where I kindled a love for Julianne Moore at a pinnacle. Yeah. Like, I'd love to sit down for an hour and just be like, what did you do there? Like, how yeah. did you do that? Like, I'd want to watch the film with her and be like, this scene, this scene, how did you handle that? <laughs> Like how, she just does it so seamlessly. Does she not have like a Twitter or something you can tweet her at? I don't think she has a Twitter. She has oh. an Instagram and she looks beautiful all the bloody time. <laughs> like it's it's a crime how beautiful that woman is. Um, yeah. So still, Alice was one which made me cry. Like it's hard to make me cry at this point in life now. I it's you've, hard. you've had it all. <laughs> yeah, like. I've used all my tears for the lifetime saves. Like so, if I cry, I'm like it's something to cry. And that film, I, I was I was in a really dark place at university at the time. Like so, that didn't help things, but it was a catalyst in the situation. So was it like the story or the message? It was what? all. It was oh. all because the story was the story was already sad as it was. But her performance, the performance for the people in it, I was like. And I, I was watching the Oscars um, that year because I had no other reason why not to because I was up till five o'clock in the morning as it was. And I, <laughs> I was picturing how much I would find it to be an injustice if she never got it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'll protest. I'll do this. I'll do that. Um, but what film would I say you have? But another film that I um, watched, which is... If not my favourite, definitely top three. I think it is my favourite film. And it's called Hello, My Name is Doris. Yeah. And this film is so lighthearted. It's so... I love a film that is on a tightrope of comedy and seriousness because I believe that you appreciate the serious affectations of things when there's comedy in it. And this film really does that because it makes you laugh all along the way. It makes it, you relate to this character like Sally Field is this woman. Um, it's like a woman working in this like um, hip like spot and she's getting carried away. And she like gets a crush on this guy who starts at the office, but she's like in her 60s and this guy's like early 20s. And then she starts having like vivid thought. It's so funny like, I, we need to sit down yeah, and watch I'll it give I it a really watch. need yeah. you to sit down and watch it with me um, because how many times I watched that film and I was screaming me at the, t- <laughs> at the TV that I was watching I do that on. way too often honestly I was like and I'm watching a 60 year old woman embarrass herself and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that's me um, 
<laughs> so that is probably my favourite film that I got out of this decade. And I sat down and I watched it with a girl at uni first because we. I found the trailer on YouTube. It was just, uh, I was watching YouTube videos and it came on an up next. It was, um, and it just automatically started. And the trailer just made me laugh out loud. And I was just like, those reasons, the really good points of the film or whatever, but to make me laugh, I was like, I'm going to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> and it was perfect. It was my favourite film, like I said. That's what I'd take. If I have to recommend that to anyone from the last decade, hello, my name is Doris. And it wasn't even a big film. It didn't have a big theatrical release. It only had a million a million dollars spent on it. And so did a perfect job on it. Oh, I brilliant. Think. Good cast as well. I feel like... I don't know if any of my favourite movies are from this decade, but I know I've watched them this decade. That's that's fine. I, I feel like there's some movies yeah. that are just so So I don't, I don't know what your Girl Interrupted came out, but... 2000, I believe. Was it? I thought it was maybe late 90s. I feel like Angelina Jolie won the 2000 Oscars. You would know this better than I. I don't watch the Oscars. No. Um, did you watch no, any of the Transform films? I tried to watch... Tried f- to? I tried my hardest. Wait, but the it first was late one? At, yeah, it was late at night. I'll give it another go. I'll, Is this because of I'll the baby scene? No, the baby scene was obviously bad. Yeah, it was terrible. It's, it was not realistic at all. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's like, one, what it's trying to depict is awful. Yeah. And two, how they depict it is stupid. But... It was but late. does that not bring an element of comedy to, like, oh, the really sad does. story? Because it's like, quite a dark film. One of the darkest. <laughs> but it was really late at night when it was really late at night when I tried to watch it, so maybe I was just a bit too tired to really It's get a brilliant it. film. I, I told myself I was going to read the books, but the books are written in, like, really, like, slang... Glaswegian, maybe? Oh, Scottish. Right. So, it's, like, the, yeah. written in the dialect like, of... Yeah, oh, so right. I was like, wow. I mean, we're quite close to the border, and even I can't read it. So <laughs> I was like, I'm not giving that a go. Plus, I don't read. Um, but, <laughs> man, I I was so surprised I hadn't watched this sooner. It was to the end of this decade, I would say, that I actually watched it, and I was, I was blown away. And I've watched it so many times before. I've, like, told people to watch it that haven't watched it because it's incredible. And then... Oh, maybe like two, two years ago, maybe. Maybe not even that. The second one came out. So it was like 20 years after the first oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. T2. And, yeah. And I, I was like, oh, I really want it to live up to the standard because, you know, you've got the same cast, you've got the same director. Like, it should be good. It's got everything that it needs to be good. And and I was blown away. I, I, I would go as far to say it's just as good as the first one, but the oh. first one is like a cult classic. Um, it's incredible. Like I, I got so much out of it, and there was times that it was you know really funny and lighthearted, but then other times that really sent you a message. And it's great to see like where the characters have gone in twenty years. It follows the story on, and it's it's so good. Highly recommend. We'll watch it sometime. I'll let you keep me on track when we watch that one. Because, yeah. I, like I say, I really didn't find the entertainment in it when I last watched it. But you're not the first person to be like, oh. Yeah, it's and, so good. Um, TV shows? Uh, Frankie and Grace. Grace and Frankie. Grace I always get it mixed. Like, I feel like because Frankie's you, my main character. Because Frankie's <laughs> your queen. I love her. And she's, she's the one you relate to. You really want to put her first. Yeah. But no, Grace has top villain. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very much a Grace person. 
Yeah, you're Grace. Uh, I'm Frankie. Yeah, I think that whenever I've watched that TV show, and I've watched it multiple times, I've watched all seasons multiple times, I can't get enough of it. And I really start getting annoyed when Frankie starts being as crazy as she is when Grace <laughs> is trying to do something that benefits them both. But I'm then like, I get mm-hmm. angry for Frankie's sake because Grace is being so uptight and like just being herself basically <laughs> i'm like oh god damn you for being yourself <laughs> then it's just so brilliant when it comes to like the end of the seasons when they kind of realize that we need to adopt the qualities of a little bit of each other to get further down this line have you watched the trailer for the new season i haven't i don't want to yet i'm oh <laughs> good but it's coming uh, out soon though yeah it's coming out this month i believe yeah I believe it's coming out at the end of this month. Um, I believe um, AJ and the Queen's out now as well, that one with RuPaul in it. I've seen the trailer for that. That, yeah. I, I'm gonna go, I think that looks brilliant. I don't know. From what know. I've seen as the trailer, I'm excited. I've seen other drag queen movies. I think the Bianca Del Rio first. Hurricane Bianca. Yeah, I, I saw that one on Netflix and I was like, wow, what did I just watch? Because I don't know, because I feel like drag is very you know, flamboyant and, like, yeah. can be tacky. And I think that's why I didn't like it. Because I was, like, really hoping it was going to be, like, something dramatic or, like, yeah. give me something different to what I see on Drag Race, but it I, wasn't. Yeah, I feel like drag can't be scripted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like it's going to be so hard to script drag because in a reality TV show is what RuPaul's Drag Race is. There's going to be ways that they're going to push the story. However, but with but it even being that's else, scripted, isn't it? It's not scripted, but it's pushed in a certain direction by story producers. Yeah. Like, because they're not writers, they're story producers, apparently they say. So um, they don't write out the show. They let the girls do what they need to do. And so, then if it's not up to scrap, then they'll get them to do it again and push. So there's some elements of it which are still kind of raw and unscripted which i feel like gives it its leg to stand on however when you have a film like hurricane bianca you're very inquisitive like should it be scripted like this yeah because sometimes the drag seems really forced in it and you're like okay great i i, I think it was the storyline i didn't like i was like what i think the, the story was an important thing because i think they were trying oh to yeah try, like the trying, message yeah. the mes- yeah. message was good but they could have gone along in a different it was... way yeah <laughs> <laughs> it just would not happen. Um, <laughs> it was so unrealistic. Yeah, so we've got Grace and Frankie, um, RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, what TV show would I bring forward? Um, the one TV show that I got told to watch by a lecturer at university was called uh, The Good Wife. He asked, he told me to watch two, actually. He told me to watch The Good Wife, which I loved. <laughs> and I think that The Good Wife is just an amazing TV programme. I think that everybody should watch it. I think that it's a newfound form of feminism and everyone should take note. Um, and he also told me to watch How to Get Away with Murder. I've heard good things about that. I haven't seen either Great. of the two, though. <laughs> Viola Davis. She, not only did she grace us with the performance in that TV show, she gifted us the gif of her picking up the handbag and walking away. Is that the end scene? That's the end scene oh, of wow. the first season. Doesn't give her no, it doesn't give her a win, way a lot so when I say it's the end they, of the first season. But. Will they carry that on or is that just it now? No, no, no. It's in the fifth season, going into the sixth season now. It's by Shonda Rhimes, so she owns like half of the television in America right now. Yeah. She does How to Get Away with Murder. I believe that she does Grey's Anatomy. 
I haven't watched that either. No, a friend always told me to watch it because apparently it was the best, but I never got into it. I watched one and I didn't like the main character and I was like... I think I'm too lazy to watch, like, really in-depth series, so I just (laughs) end up watching, like, repeats of Gavin and Stacey and um, the IT crowd. Well, apparently the rumour mill's trying to spurt out that there's going to be more Gavin and Stacey. I have also heard this, and I have I haven't seen the Christmas episode either. You because haven't? I, I don't watch TV. Oh yeah, yeah. You need to go to buy it, and we can watch the Christmas episode. Yeah, we can do it after this, really, if you really want. <laughs> um, it was great. It was really good, and it made it. Di- I've seen spoilers. <laughs> trying to think how to say it. like it was really good, but it didn't trail away of what Gavin and Stacey was. So it really made you like. I would like to have more of this, but in a comfortable fashion. Yeah, like not forced. There's some TV shows which I watch, which I'm hooked. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh! like I need to watch it weekly. I need to do this, set my time aside, put it on record. I know when it's being recorded and I'm trying to waste an hour because yeah. I need to get to watch it. Um, I'm trying to think what the last TV show of that was. Um, Chris and Frankie, I binge watched that when I... I was told to watch it. <laughs> that is like the worst thing that they do on Netflix, though, when they release them all at once. It just binge. Oh, but I don't know, hours. because if they haven't released it all at once, I will wait until they release all of the episodes and then binge watch it. Oh, yeah. you have a lot of self-restraint. Mm, I don't have is that, that self-restraint? <laughs> I'm yeah. still binging. I'm, I, no, well, self-restraint to not watch them as they're coming yeah, out. I, I don't have that. I think I'm just... Uh, I'd rather wait for them all than have to wait for them separately. Rick and Morty, I watch as soon as they come out. I could not wait for them. See, to... I actually watched the first five episodes the other day through uh, an illegal Facebook link. But oh, I was honestly season. really of, disappointed. Of the new season? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was that. not... I feel like they're being rushed, the rushed yeah. to production. I appreciate that. But wait, didn't but they have I like two lo- years? love the Dragon episode. I don't think I've seen that then, possibly. Because I was just kind of like, five. yeah, but I wasn't like really watching it because oh, I was right. like, I watched the first couple and I was like, this is not as good as it could have been. Yeah, the first couple are quite like, yeah, but there's a dragon one, which I think is funny. I really do think it's funny. Um, but yeah, so I'd say How to Get Away with Murder, The Good Wife, and Grace and Frankie are probably all very important yeah. individuals. I think the They all give a good flop- message as well. Oh, yeah. Yes, well, how to get away with murder? Maybe not. So. Maybe. <laughs> I haven't seen that, so I can't. I can't vouch Don't for it. Don't try. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, the Good Wife. I wouldn't say that it gives away like a great message. It's just entertainment. But I feel like Grace and Frankie is one of those wholesome things which has a good message. Where it's fi- even finding your tribes important. Where it's group people, but finding that one person where it's not romantic anywhere, but that person's there for you, like your ride or die. Like that's a very important thing as well. Like because you're always going to be there for each other, whether you make a business or whether you're going abroad to elope and stuff like this. And doing peyote on the beach, I think it's an iconic scene. I love it when Grace takes the teardrop from Frankie's eye and looks at it and just goes, there's a whole world in here. (laughs) And I'm like, I need to experience that at some point. (laughs) Um, But those are probably... I want to talk about the biggest flop TV okay. of the decade, which was Game of Thrones. I fell off on season four or five. I was like, I'm not interested in this anymore. And I'm not paying for TV. <laughs> you and me both, sis. I fell off from season four as well because I was sick of... 
I was sick of keeping up with the politics of it all. I think <laughs> I'm like one of these people that if something gets too hyped, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not interested anymore because it's too hyped. But if it wasn't hyped, I probably would have yeah. continued the season. I was there for the boobies. I was there for the butts. And I was there for the comedy that was coming out of something. Yeah. But then they just started killing off the really funny characters. Yeah. And I felt like they were just killing off for the sake of killing off. They started um, giving Cersei a hard time, which I really disagreed with. Because um, I thought that she was the best person in that season. In that full series, should I say. Uh, because nobody worked harder she crafted there was not one person in that series that and i know that we're having a rule not to bang the table that worked harder (laughs) they're really passionate about cersei there was no one who worked harder than cersei lannister she the way that she killed people was kind of like i want you to know that you've pissed me off (laughs) and because I feel like there was one where she got the woman who this is a spoiler alert and I think everyone's seen it by now who whole, wants to, well though. to be honest it's a spoiler alert but the whole show's a full crock of <laughs> because how it ended <laughs> might have to bleep and that I'm out I'm gonna say because <laughs> it ended awfully and to the point where I got mad and I dropped off at season four. Some people wrote. So, the, did some you pe- drop off for season yeah. four and then watch the last I season? I watched the last season with my roommate who okay. was watching it every week. But I was I was with all those people who rode that thing right the way through to season eight, season seven. Season eight, let's say. They rode that through to season eight. They were there for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when all those people started kicking off, I was like, you guys are right. You guys are fully entitled to kick off this <laughs> because it ended awfully. But... Back to the Cersei beer. There was this, I think one scene really pops out to me was when she got the woman who killed her daughter. She kidnapped that woman and she kidnapped that woman's daughter. She locked them up and she killed that woman's daughter. Well, she poisoned that woman's daughter the same way that that woman poisoned Cersei's daughter and was like, you're going to watch her like Ooh, you're gonna watch, okay. you're gonna be shackled to this wall and you're gonna watch your own daughter die in front of your eyes and i think that maternal that maternal instinct from cersei comes out so fiercely in that scene and i feel like some people are like oh she's just awful she's evil and i'm like if no if if no I mean, after mother, all the kids that oh, she yeah. lost like i can understand well, this, she did this because she lost a kid yeah. because this woman killed her daughter at the end and i was like if no mother reacts like that are they even a mother? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Understandably now. I, you know, I think you've maybe changed my perception of her now. I, I really didn't like her. She was probably my least favorite character, but I think that's because they, that's how they want you to feel about her. So now, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously I haven't seen the final season, but now you saying that has made me think, oh, you know what? I kind of understand, but she's still selfish. She yeah. was, she was still she, definitely yeah. like trying to hurt people just to, get herself up on top yeah to get what she wants yeah but should we not all be like that a little bit should we not all take a leaf out of not book? as ruthless and, yeah not as ruthless but like to get what you want are you gonna do whatever it yeah. takes and she really epitomized that but then some of the steps she took were full-blown because of emotional yeah. like, things and i was like this woman's so complex and i love it don't watch the last season no I won't. because they do her dirty and they um, kill her in the worst way possible, I would say. 
She didn't deserve it. She still doesn't deserve it. And I'm quite mad that Lena Headey never got an Emmy for that performance. But hey-ho. Did anyone me. get an Emmy? Peter Dinklage. Oh, well, he's great, though. Peter Dinklage got Emmys for it. Um, but I believe the um, controversy behind that was that the producers of the show never put any of the actors forward. Because sometimes... Oh, they, they, so they have to do that. Yeah, so sometimes the producers of a show, of a TV show, will put actors forward, like they'll pay for it. But all the actors had to pay for themselves to be put forward. Oh, interesting. So it was kind I didn't of like, know that. They seemed to not have any support from... So all of the all of them in the last season, all of them put themselves forward. All I right. think Lena Headey put herself forward and everything, and Amelia Clark. So if they won, they basically paid for their own winning. Basically, That's yeah. That's awful. They I didn't know that. They paid for their own consideration. But sometimes TV shows do that in the sense... Because yeah. them winning... Is, is good on them. Is good on the TV show. Yeah. But no, they all had to pay for themselves. Christ. Like, I'd have thought, like, for Game of Thrones to have been so big, like, they'd have really pushed for that and not cheapened off the, the actors that worked for eight years. Those two producers and directors have cashed out. Oh, yeah. On that show. Cashed Still, a, a little bit of gratitude to the people that they've had to work with for, you know, nearly a decade. Oh, well, no, not in showbiz since. <laughs> um... So we have musics and books, musics, musics, music and books. Should we start with books? Sure, go on. Yeah. So um, I've only ever read one book in this you're past decade. Really, not an avid reader. I hate reading, which is okay. I'm not going to stand here and judge you. I wish I was one of those people, but it honestly pains me to read. I find it so difficult to read. Do you want to make a New Year's resolution? No. Okay. <laughs> not this one. <laughs> I Like, the words just jumble up on the pages and I start imagining words that aren't there. So I think it could be dyslexic, but who knows? So yes. the only book that I've actually read properly is one from school that I was doing alongside my GCSEs. Mm-hmm. Possibly not for the GCSE, but maybe, like, year nine time. Um, Mallory Blackman's Knots and Crosses. So essentially it's... Um, I think it's set in like the 60s or 70s roundabout when, um, you know, black people were joining white people's schools and there was the whole like riots and stuff about that. But the tables have turned. It's actually um, the the blacks are on top and the, the whites are kind of like beneath them and they're seen as like the dirt. So it's kind of cool to see that contrast. Um, what we're used to as being like white people being seen as like the lower class. Um, and I think it's a really important message as well because I think it would be easy to write a story historically about those moments, but to put a spin on it and to say as if the classes were turned, it really makes you think about it and it really makes you sort of feel for the people who had to deal with that, um, which sounds like such a fucking thing for us to say, easy thing for us to say because... It's like, oh, wow, open your eyes because you're actually the one who's, like, in in uh, below the other people. Um, so, yeah, I think it's interesting to see the stark contrast um, and to, to flip it like that. Um, I just think it, uh, amongst the message, like, it's such a well-written story and there's multiple books that span on from it as well. Um, I haven't managed to read them all, but I just think... It's the only book I would ever tell anyone to read, mainly because it's the only book I have read. <laughs> but I think, it, especially right now, like I, I keep saying, like they need to make this a TV series because it's it's perfect for 
for what we're dealing with right now and have been dealing with for so many years. So I think it's definitely one that everyone should read. Right. No, I totally agree. I think that I think that it's one of the most effective forms of um kind of bringing attention to a subject is yeah. swapping swapping the antagonist into a place where you can relate to them. But this is the ultimate kind of swap in like, let's try like and white get, people can't yeah. relate oh, to no. black minorities unless because they this, yeah. yeah unless they are being told that they are the minor- minority yeah. in the story which it shouldn't be like that but i'm glad that that book is out there so people can understand the situation a bit better and hopefully there'll be a lot more you know open-minded and less racist people out there i think it's an important topic have you seen that um advertisement uh, or like facebook video right now of the like white little white girl who's gone through the pressures of like war and stuff and the end message of it is just because it's not happening in your country doesn't mean that it's not happening i haven't seen that video so it's like a little white girl who's either american or english like going through everything of what it would be to be like an asylum seeker and you see like the war on the screen you see her being happy at first and then you see her getting more destitute going into wartime one point of it seems like she loses her dad along the way in a checkpoint like, yeah. like it, it puts it into perspective from like because you're seeing a white yeah, girl. Yeah, like screen. people won't relate to it unless it's them in the picture because people are so narrow-minded. Yeah, and I think that's I think it's really important to bring that up now. I think that it's more the self-reflection, but also put yourself in someone else's shoes. You've got a, you've got a lot more in the game, sis. <laughs> like yeah. you've you're way ahead of more other people. Um. But what book would I say? This the book that I read this decade um, that I've took a massive message from is um, the Alchemist. My roommate's probably going to take the out of me for talking about this book because I talked about it for a week after I finished reading it because I was nuts by it. I was like, no, this is it. This is the answer. This is everyone needs to read this book. I was an avid kind of. This is my bible. Yeah. Like I was like. I think um, when you're so passionate about something, you do tend to do that, and it's you want people to enjoy it, but <laughs> you're also scared that if you push it on them too much, it will deter them away from oh, it. Oh, yeah, and that's I went through that, and now I'm still at the point of, read it if you read it, you'll understand a little bit more. I totally believe in what it says. Because if you don't believe in what it says, because it's all about um, destiny being a thing, and it's all about you're going to get to your destiny, but everyone's journey in between is different and it's thinking about your journey. It's not taking your journey for granted and stuff like this. I can't really explain it that It's the well. journey, not the destination. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. But you're going to get to the, the destination at the end. You're always going to get to it. It's the decisions you make. It's all this that you really have to be wary of because that's what life is. Because once you've got to your destiny... Your life's over, really, kind of. Because if you know all the answers and everything and you've, you've achieved it. So it's making me more grateful for the journey that I'm currently on as a 23-year-old. And I will always remember it. Um, I read it in four hours. It's, I think it's dawning on like 200 pages. Um, I couldn't put it down. And all I know is that I recommend it. Will Smith recommends it. And Madonna recommends it. That's why I read it. I, I, <laughs> I looked at the back of the book and it said Madonna. And I was like, Madonna's read this. And I <laughs> opened, <hooked. laughs> opened that bad boy up. I was, <laughs> 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 um, 
Um, so yeah, I'd recommend anyone to, cause I was gonna, here's some thesis. I was going to, my first tattoo, I'm saying first tattoo as if I'm definitely gonna get one. But my thoughts, my th- thought of a first tattoo was going to be like um, a portion bottle, like an al- what you said for an alchemist, and it would always remind me like of the alchemist of the journey and all like that. But I don't know where I get it. I just, I'd need someone to like because it needs to be a portion bottle, but I'd need to be like that's it. That's what I want on my yeah. body. It's so I'm really not decisive for that moment. Um, I think I think there's always the pressure of your first tattoo. Um, what was yours? Oh, man, it was so embarrassing. It was something I drew up myself, by the way. Oh, that cannot be um, embarrassing. And I just kept drawing it up and drawing it up for like, I want to say like two years. It's a swallow with an anchor and a 30 seconds to Mars lyric script underneath it. It's so tacky. But I, I do love it. Good. But it's been done terribly. So... I don't know whether to get it lasered off or whatever. But anyways, I feel like there's always the pressure of your first tattoo to be this, like, big, magical, like, this is the first tattoo and it's amazing. But I think once you get over that hump, you just end up, like, your 20th tattoo. You're like, oh, right, yeah, I just just got this, like, Hello Kitty logo because I love Hello Kitty. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it it just becomes, like, oh, you know, that looked cool or I like that. And you just don't think about it as much as um, you, you would on your first tattoo, which... I guess maybe would give you peace of mind if you were thinking about getting more than one. But definitely, I think everyone should at least experience it once. Yeah, totally. I believe in that. I believe that you only get to ride this roller coaster once, try absolutely everything on the way. There's no point. I mean, bar buying a house and a car or whatever, like it's it's probably up there in the top things to invest in because it's it's the most permanent thing. You know, you could lose your house, but you'll still have your title. Can't sell it though. No, it's got no, it's got no you could start value. selling grafts of your skin on the internet. <laughs> like, oh, please. <laughs> I'd sell a kidney if I could, because <laughs> sis, I need the money. Um, Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> look at you bringing this episode to an end. I love it, um, but we're not. We just, still need to talk about music. We need to talk about music. Only if you did, I love it later. I'd be like, that's it. Once it's done. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, music. What song in this? I oh, will wow. tell you mine. Go on then. I think this song. Well, it's two, but one mainly. If it's a country song, I'm not listening. You need to get off my back. About <laughs> music. Um, no, I think that there's one song that really sums up 2010s. And if you disagree with me, you're wrong. You're simply wrong, sis. Uptown funk. That was yeah. <laughs> If that doesn't kind I, of like, summarize, hate that I love it so much. <laughs> same. It's because uh, sometimes I start hating it, and sometimes I'm like, no, actually, it's gonna go big. It's not in my music library. Yeah, I haven't downloaded it. It's a guilty pleasure. If it comes on the radio, I'll sing along. But I'll tell you the second one, which came out, and I couldn't believe the reception, and I'm guilty of it myself. Shotgun by George Ezra. Oh, yeah, that's always on in the club. Yeah, and it's always. Like, I'm like, this is the one song I wouldn't have thought. But one thing that I always get think about is, what's that song about? Um, just riding I, I, in, Does he just like to be in the front seat? Like, we all do, yeah. <laughs> is that why it's so relatable? I have motion sickness, so it's kind of a need for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was, 
those are probably the two songs that I think are like 2010s wrapped up. But, but like, what's your favourite songs? Because surely they can't be your favourite songs, oh, right? They're not my favourite songs. But apparently those are the two, those are the two that I think that round 2010s up. But apparently the best selling album in Britain for the decade was Adele 21. I, I can understand that. Everyone yeah. hyped it. I think that Adele's music is so empowering, empoweringly sad. Do you know when, and, like, and what's great is in the past 10 years, we've seen such a, a, a journey and, and growth in her too. It's like we've all grown with her. 19, 21, yeah. 25? Yeah, 25. 25 was the last one, wasn't it? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't really keep up with her. All right, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but what would what's my favourite song of this decade? Maybe Shallow? I loved that. I haven't seen it. I loved Shallow. I'm going to be very controversial here and say that the film may be a little underwhelming to some people. Okay. So I know me and my mum walked out and we were kind of like... Well, you walked out before it finished. No, no, no. <laughs> of course not. No, I wouldn't do that to Gaga. <laughs> um, no, me and my mum walked out at the end and it was kind of... It was kind of underwhelming, the ending. I feel like it could have been better. And it was foreshadowed at the start, which kind of made me think, if you if you spotted at the start, you're like, you know how it's going to end. And you're okay. Because like, me and my roommate spotted the same thing as well. And we were like, well, we know what's going to happen. And but is it not um, Don't a rem- say it's the journey, because no, it's not in a film. No, is it... <laughs> So do they like remake it every so often? Because it's I, not on purpose. No, I don't. I don't think no. they make it remake it on purpose. Because they've they had the, the Star is Born with several different characters, yeah. haven't they? You've got Lady Gaga. Yeah. Then you've got um, Audrey Hepburn. No, 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 no. Don't think she was in it. Judy Garland. Yes, that's the one. Lady Gaga, Judy Garland, and then I think there was Barbara three Streisand. of Streisand. And there was another woman. I believe the other woman, the last woman, was the first person to do yeah. it. And I'm really sad. That, and I'm really sad we don't have Wi-Fi to fact So is it. it the same story then? I believe it's the same story, but different songs. Okay. Because Lady Gaga wrote... Shallows. Shallow with Mark Ronson. She got an Oscar for it. So does Bradley Cooper sing in it as well? Yeah. Because well, I've heard good things about his voice, but I haven't yeah, watched yeah. all of He's singing heard. Shallow. He's the first person to sing in Shallow. Okay. I, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it's okay. It's good. And I just love the riff. I love the riff, which is basically just shouting. Me and Liam do it all the time. Have you not seen us do it at your party? We were like, oh, oh. No. <laughs> oh, and we just screamed. Like, because one time I fell over in the middle of the street one time and he started laughing. <laughs> and I went, oh. And then he looked at me and started laughing. And I just looked at him and just went, oh. Like, I just made a joke about it because it's just embarrassing when you fall over. Um, but yeah, maybe my favourite one of the decade. I don't know a favourite song. I, I love the Star and change all the time. I love the Star Born soundtrack. I love that one. Always remember us this way. Is that all right? I love them all. I, I do like that soundtrack. Maybe it was a bit overplayed on the radio, but yeah. Um, one album that I would tell people to listen to or song that I would tell people to listen to, um, I love Art Pop by Lady Gaga. I'm going to put that out there because earlier, no, not earlier this year, last year, later last year, she decided to tweet, what is Art Pop? And I got mad because I loved Art Pop and it seemed like she disregarded it. But I love Art Pop. 
maybe listen to that album. It's out there. Extravagant. But a song that I would tell people to listen to, I like RuPaul's Drag Race Queen, um, Trixie Mattel. I haven't heard it. Um, She made a country album. But um, one of the songs is called um, Soldier. And she wrote it about um, another drag queen who was going through a really hard time and stuff like this. And it's the words are very, the words in her songs are very um, uplifting and have a message. So is it like a proper album or is it like a, a drag album? Yeah, so she has two proper albums. She has two birds and she has one stone. And this song, One Stone, it's called Soldier. And she's also got a song called Moving Parts, which I think is a really good song Because as well. I can't get on, I feel like it's sort of saturated, like every drag queen that's come out with RuPaul's Drag Race oh, yeah, it's is not, doing music, and it's, it's not, so tacky. Yeah, it's not a dance <laughs> song, it's not this, it's like raw, like country has a message. Yeah. It's a country beat, but I wouldn't say it's epitome of country. Okay. So I mean, I hate I'll country. I'll make you listen to it after the podcast, <laughs> and you can make your mind up. I um, will. If you don't like it, there's not going to be an episode two. <laughs> I I really struggled with music because I, I feel like I go through so many phases. Like at the start of the decade, I was really heavy into like emo, like pop punk, like just angry, like I'm a teenager and I hear everything kind of music and wow, so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's like coming to the end of the decade, I'm like, wow, I, I could actually listen to classical music sometimes. Like, it depend. It's very dependent on my mood. Like I'm very sensitive to music. Like if I'm in a bad mood, I'm like I need some lo-fi to chill me out. Like some meditation the, or like YouTube mixes. Oh, I like, love. I, I listen to them love, daily. It makes love. me so happy. I'll tell you a really. I think because there's no words in it actually. Because if I focus on the words, then I just end up getting sick of the song. But because usually it's just like oh yeah, it's just a really like yeah, really chilled out. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think that would be my favorite. I'll tell you one really nerdy thing. Go on. Is I listen to piano versions of um, like games that I've played, like game soundtracks. Oh no, I like that. That's quite satisfying. Like Legend of Zelda um, soundtrack, like people doing on the piano and stuff. And I used to do all my uni work and stuff too. I used to be in a room on my own, no bigger than this, what we're in, on a table, just that in the background. And sometimes I just sit for five minutes and just listen to it. And I don't know why, but then I found. Um, there was a clinical study that apparently listening to that kind of thing made you more productive because when you were yeah. playing the game, it was a subliminal thing that you were hearing in the background. To make you keep doing it. Yeah, and so listening to it again made you want to do stuff again. Oh, that's so cool. And I've heard like, that lo-fi is really aimed at like helping studying. Yeah, yeah. And I, 100%. If you're studying right now and you're finding it hard, put, put one of those lo-fi yeah, YouTube things so on. so good. I listened to Studio Ghibli. Um, acoustic sessions as well. Oh, I've so I've only seen two of the films. It's the, My Neighbor Totoro and Spirited Away. Spirited Away is my favourite though. Spirited Away is an amazing film. I think everybody needs to see it. Definitely. It's, I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna put that on my favourite films. You're gonna put that on your yeah. favourite films. <laughs> Good. I think that it came out in the 2000s, but I think that yeah. I watched it this second. So nice. Yeah, literally maybe two years ago. Good. Yeah. I think it's pinnacle of it's animation. brilliant. The story, the message, everything. Go watch it. Go watch it. Um, well, I, that was our New Year episode. Roundup. I think that, I think being a week into this New Year, I'm really feeling a little bit more positive. We're starting new things together. 
we're doing our own individual experiences. I'll once again say, keep on reflecting on what you're doing on a daily, weekly, set a reminder on your phone if you really need to at the end of every month. Like, make sure that you take time to reflect yeah. on yourself, reflect on your own performance. Don't give up so easily. Oh, yeah. And just do it. Just do it. Just do it. A Grace and Frankie thing. We're probably going to have to be bleepy. But the main thing that came out of the last season of Grace and Frankie. <laughs> that's definitely getting censored. Yeah, but that's the main message that came out of that one. And that helped me a lot. Seeing Jane Fonda say the F word, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I agree, Jane. Um, yeah, so that was our New Year. That was our New Year podcast. Best year. of luck, everyone, new to year. your New Year. Yeah. New Year, new me, new you, new podcast. What's crack? <laughs> What's crack? So, yeah, um, I'd like to take a second to thank um, Soundwave. Soundwave. Soundwave for giving us this studio space, giving, these microfo- giving us these microphones to record on. Um, and how should people get in touch with us? Um, don't. <laughs> Leave us alone. Thank you. <laughs> Your comments are not wanted. Thanks. <laughs> the Soundwave have a Facebook page. Uh, yeah, they have a Facebook and Instagram page. Right. So Soundwave have Facebook and Instagram. Do we know the handles? Oh, I can get them up. I think. I thought you knocked your phone off. You made me knock my phone <laughs> off. <sighs> That's rude. Uh, Soundwave CA14 on Soundwave Instagram. CA14 on Instagram. And it would just be, let's say, type in Soundwave Workington maybe on Facebook. Yeah, Cumbria. Um, if you really want to get in touch with us and you really want to um, add in, send them a message on those. It'll get through to us. Just say something like, give this to Dean and Dakota and we'll try, we'll put it on the podcast maybe if it's good enough. Maybe. We? Maybe. I, I, I don't know if my confidence can take this. I like audience participation. <laughs> just, if you're going to tell us that we suck, we're not going to put it on the podcast though. <laughs> Unless it's constructive criticism. Constructive, yeah. <laughs> We've already filmed this podcast twice already. <laughs> I wasn't going to break the facade, but yeah, we did film this twice already. One of our mics wasn't on last time. Um, if that's anything to strive for. Um, so yeah, like, just keep going. New Year's. <laughs> we hope to see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>